Hey everyone, and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas, and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today's special guest is an expert on cellular health with a particular focus on the science of aging. Joining me on the show is Dr. Nicola Conlon. Nicola, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, Nicola, thank you for yeah showing up today. We met at the um, Health Optimization Summit in London, and I didn't get a chance to actually go to your booth, but um, maybe you want to share with my listeners a little bit about your story, how you became so fascinated into optimizing human health. Yeah, where do I start? I guess I've always been just super interested in biology. I've just, since a young age, I've just been absolutely fascinated by the body. Never really knew what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do, but knew I just loved learning everything about the body. So that sort of led me down a sort of scientific career. I did my undergrad in physiology. I really enjoyed that, wanted to keep learning, ended up doing a master's in research. And then that actually led on to a PhD because really I just couldn't get enough of just really understanding how we are working on the inside and my PhD was actually all about looking at nutrient and drug transporters in our gut and how things get out of our gut and around the body and into the cells where they need to work and that time was obviously working in academia but one of the limitations of academia is you become very narrow focused on looking at a very specific gene or a specific transporter or a protein or something and I was like there's so much else to learn about. I don't want to be an academic and I, I don't want to focus on one tiny piece of biology. So back then, me very naively thought, if I move into the drugs industry, then maybe I'll be, that'll be a way of getting this science out to people and learning more things and covering more areas. I went to work in drug development. I worked in early phase drug development, the preclinical side of it. And to begin with, working in cancer in that field. And then one day I got pulled into the office and said, we're moving you on to a new project and you're going to look at aging. This was like over 10 years ago now. And I was like, what? Aging? (laughs) Drugs for aging? Are you crazy? This is a crazy idea. But they were like, no, there's a lot of rumbling that there's some big breakthroughs and the science has changed. And there's this idea that if we can target cellular aging, then maybe we can have an impact on multiple diseases that we're trying to develop drugs for in one go. So that gave me an amazing opportunity where I was put to lead that project. And as part of it, I basically had a year where I was free to travel, go meet all of the key scientists within that field, look at all the research, decide which research was solid, which was needed a bit more time. So we could plan in our company where we were going to focus our efforts in terms of looking at drugs to actually slow cellular aging. 
that was really exciting. But the more I worked in the drugs industry, the more I was getting frustrated at how it worked for two reasons. The first is it just takes a, an awful long time to, from us at the very start of the discovery process, thinking, oh my goodness, it's going to be like 15 years before any of this cool science like can benefit people. But then also the other really annoying thing was we would send a lot of molecules to the lab to uh, be tested. And part of my role was we'd get all the results back and we'd literally have a list of these things work amazingly, these things don't work at all. And quite often the things at the top of the, the, top of the list that worked really well were not drugs. They were natural molecules. They were things mm. that were already well known, things that were known to be safe as supplements. And unfortunately, because of that, drugs companies just aren't interested in them. So no matter how well they work, they will not put any money or any research into them because they can't patent and own them. So commercially, that makes total sense. But ethically, I was like, wow, there are things that work amazing and we are taking forward and putting hundreds of millions into something that works 50% as well, like literally half as well. Wow. That just didn't sit right with me. I was like, I get it. I get why they're doing it. But ethically, that's no, that just doesn't sit right. Like, why can't we be doing something with all these molecules at the top, these things that people could be benefiting from now? By that point, I was so convinced on the science showing that you really could slow aging and all the benefits it could have that I was like, we need to find a way just to get this science out there quicker. So I left drug development in 2017 I founded Nichido Laboratories which is my company and the whole mission behind Nichido is how do we do the same quality of research and testing that we'd be doing in academia or drug development but bring it into the world of supplements and give those molecules that are natural that will never be patented as a drug the research that they deserve and the testing because people can be benefiting from them now they just don't know it. Look, I'm just hearing all that, Nicola, excites me so much as you're discussing giving credit and respecting the fact that some of these natural compounds can really have a, a profound effect on human physiology and oftentimes gets neglected by like big pharma. So I'd love to dive deeper into that. The drug discovery process, maybe do you want to explain to my audience just so that they have an idea on what that looks like in like Western medicine? Yeah, so basically at the beginning, you'll be like, okay, so we've got a disease. Um, let's just, you know, aging's a bit of a complicated one. So let's say cancer. <laughs> uh, we've, got a, we've got a specific type of cancer and there's a lot of academics doing research on that type of cancer and they will be looking and going, okay, these proteins are interesting. These genes seem to have an effect. These pathways seem to have an effect. So that is the early stage of drug development where you'll be looking at what you are going to try and target. And in conventional drug discovery, what will happen is the people will say there's this one protein or this one pathway that seems to be playing a part in this cancer. Um, therefore, what we'll do is we'll look at designing a drug that will stick to this one protein and it will knock it out and it'll cure it. Now, obviously, that doesn't happen <laughs> because what we now know really well, but unfortunately still neglected, is that biology is very complex. It's never just one thing. Drugs don't stick to one thing. They stick to lots of different things in the body, which means you get a lot of off-target effects. And this is why a lot of drugs fail, because the discovery process doesn't take into account the, that variability in 
complexity and redundancy of biology, basically. So we would look at the target, we would look for the drug to stick to the target, and then once we had candidate molecules... So these were molecules that we were happy would do something in cells. We were happy that we could patent them. So they were usually what we'd call new chemical entities. So we'd maybe find a drug that we couldn't patent, but then we'll structurally change it slightly to make it patentable. <laughs> and then after that, it would go into preclinical. So this is going into testing in animal models and disease models. After that, it would be going into phase one trials. So that's looking in humans. Is it toxic? Is there any bad side effects? And then through to phase two and phase three trials, which is, is basically looking at around 10 years, this whole process, unless you get a drug that you can push through as like a an orphan disease or something like that where they will push it through quicker but mm. that's in very simple terms that's how drug development works and it has it's estimated that only one in every 10,000 molecules at the start actually make it to being a drug so it's a highly highly inefficient process yeah and this is a, a common debate that I would have with my dad who's a pharmacist and I'm a naturopath so I was torn in between the two and it was always around the discussion of like, are natural compounds, are they smarter than pharma, uh, pharmaceutical drugs in a sense that, for example, with herbal extracts, there are some compounds within the herbs that may offset the negative effects that might be associated with a single constituent and which is basically a drug. I would love to dive deeper into NAD because that's obviously the center of our discussion here. Maybe do you want to explain to my listeners, Nicola, what is NAD and why is it so crucial when it comes to aging? Yeah, so, so NAD was something that I came across many years ago when I was doing all this research into the sort of the latest breakthroughs within the aging field. Within aging, we, we know that cellular aging occurs because there are what we call the hallmarks of aging. So these are 12 key things that seem to go wrong in our cells and cause the aging process. And NAD came about because discovered that it was one thing that actually seemed to have an impact on all of the hallmarks of aging. So it was helping to influence and fix a lot of the different cellular causes of aging. So that's how it became famous within the aging community, despite it being a molecule that's been known for many years because it's fundamental in a lot of pathways in the cell. But basically, NAD stands for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, hence why it's abbreviated, because it's a bit of a mouthful. But it's involved in hundreds of different reactions in the cell. But I guess the two that it's most famous for are firstly energy production. So NAD is part of the Krebs cycle that helps to produce the energy in the form of ATP within our mitochondria. It's an electron donor. It helps to move electrons around in the electron transfer train of the mitochondria. So critically important for energy production. If you did not have NAD, you literally would not be alive because you, your mitochondria would absolutely not work. There is no alternative. So that's very important. The second thing is actually for maintenance and repair in the cells. 
Um, so what NAD seems to do is it acts as like a signal to turn maintenance and repair processes on and off. And when I say maintenance and repair processes, I'm talking about things like DNA repair enzymes. So DNA repair enzymes are critically dependent on using NAD as a fuel. Things like the sirtuins, which are, are sometimes famously referred to as longevity proteins or longevity genes. These seem to activate a huge amount of cellular pathways that are promoting cellular repair and cellular health. And again, they are critically dependent on NAD availability for them to work. In general terms, like a general rule to follow is that if you have high levels of NAD, you will get good efficient energy production and you will have good efficient repair processes in your cells. But when NAD mm. goes down, energy production becomes dysfunctional. And also you find that repair processes start to get turned down because they don't have that NAD to drive them. You get accumulation of damage in the cell. And this is why it's implicated in aging. <clears throat> Excellent. I think you did a, a fantastic job there at introducing NAD. When it comes to that word, nicotine adenine dinucleotide, mm. we hear the word nicotinic so nicotinic acid which is vitamin b3 nicotinamide yeah. vitamin b3 do you want to is there a link there yeah yeah so it's nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide and there is a link there because nicotinamide which is part of the structure that builds part of the structure of nad is a, a vitamin a derivative of vitamin b3 so nad itself is not b3 but it's derived from what we call precursor molecules, which act as the building blocks to make NAD. And nicotinamide mm. is a form of vitamin B3. Now, this is where it sometimes gets a little bit confusing with niacin mm. and nicotinamide and all the different names. <laughs> and it's a kind of, it's a naming thing that's confused everyone. So what we have is we've got vitamin B3, which is, if you imagine, at the top of the umbrella, that's also referred to as niacin, okay? Now, underneath, you've got all the different derivatives of vitamin B3, which is nicotinic acid, nicotinamide, and then there's, there's other ones, which I'm sure we'll go into later. But uh, a lot of people think they're the same thing because if you look at the bottom, back of a supplement bottle, they'll say niacin as nicotinamide or niacin as nicotinic acid. But actually, nicotinic acid and nicotinamide are structurally different and perform very different roles in the body. It's a bit confusing that the industry calls it all niacin, even mm. though they're very structurally different. But when it comes to NAD, both all of the vitamin B3 derivatives are used to build NAD, but nicotinamide is actually the, the more favorable one in the body. And so let's look at, so obviously nicotinamide being the most effective way at increasing like levels of NAD in humans. So are there different forms of nicotinamide? Not really. This nicotinamide is actually highly bioavailable. It's uncharged. It can pass straight through. It doesn't need a transport. Um, and that is the preferred, if you look at the pathways in our body that actually make NAD, that is the one that the body actually uses. NAD production in the body is actually fairly complicated. There are three different pathways that make NAD. You've actually got a pathway that can make NAD from tryptophan, the amino acid, mm. although that plays a very small part. You'd have to take a lot of tryptophan for that to ever 
kick in. The other one is the press handler pathway, which uses nicotinic acid, but the main pathway is called the salvage pathway. And basically this is the is it's very well agreed within the industry now that the salvage pathway is the main the body's main source of cellular NAD production. <clears throat> Excuse me. So basically when we are young this salvage pathway is the way our bodies make all the NAD that we need. <clears throat> People don't realize, but we do not need any external precursors really, or any external NAD. Our body absolutely can make all the NAD that we need, which is mm. sensible really, because we wouldn't really want to rely on something coming externally to support something that if we didn't have in our bodies, we'd literally be dead in 30 seconds our body has to have this fail-safe way of, of producing it and the way it does that is through recycling so when you have NAD in your body when it's used so when it's used by DNA repair enzymes or by the sirtuins for example it gets broken apart into its individual pieces and one of them is obviously nicotinamide so what happens with this nicotinamide is this salvage pathway literally just scoops it back up again and turns it back into fresh NAD. And that's a really clever design because it means as NAD go use goes up, nicotinamide goes up, recycling goes up. So then you get more mm. NAD made to fulfill the demand. Equally, if NAD use goes down, there's less nicotinamide, recycling gets turned down. So it's a really nice sort of way that the cell has evolved to be able to deal with the amount of NAD that it actually needs. Yeah, it's fascinating. When it comes to NMN supplements, so nicotinamide mononucleotide, did you want to maybe explain where does the current research stand in terms of its effectiveness? How did that all come about? Yeah. So the reason that things like NMN or NR came about was because when scientists realized that NAD was this molecule that seemed to be having all of these health benefits, what they found was that actually NAD declines with age. In every species, in every tissue, there's a huge amount of data to show that it declines with age. And when it declines, you get all of these problems associated with cellular aging. And that actually, if you could reverse the decline and boost it, or indeed just not let it decline in the first place, that you could impact all the different cellular health markers associated with aging and also impact many different diseases and things like that. So there was a big race on to be like, okay, how can we develop something that can actually be used to boost NAD? And I guess the first thing to point out is you cannot use pure NAD. So you cannot just put pure NAD in a capsule and take it orally because NAD is very unstable. It doesn't survive well outside of the body, outside of the cells, and it's just not bioavailable. The other thing about NAD is that even if you infuse it, say doing an NAD IV, which are becoming very popular, it does get round the sort of instability of the gut. It gets it directly into the blood, but NAD doesn't perform much function in the blood. It actually mm. needs to get into the cells where it, the mitochondria are, where the nucleus is, where all the certs and the DNA repair enzymes are. That's where it needs to be. And unfortunately, it's a big molecule. Therefore, it needs transporter channels to let it pass in. It just can't diffuse across the membrane. So to date, the only cells that are known to let it pass in its whole form are mainly heart cells and neuronal cells. So there may be 
this may be why people do feel benefits with IVs because it's going in that way. But the general consensus is that even if you take whole NAD, it has to be first breaking down into its smaller building blocks to let it get into the cell. So this is where precursors like NR or NMN came about. They are literally the building blocks that our cells use to make NAD, just like nicotinamide is. And the idea being here is that if we give the body more of the raw material than it needs to make NAD, hopefully it'll make NAD. (laughs) At the start, there was a bit of blind faith that we take these supplements and we don't really know why NAD is declining, but hopefully it's going to go into those cells and your cells are going to scoop it up and start making NAD. And early clinical studies showed that it, it does. We see a bit of a boost in NAD with precursors like NR or NMM. But there's a lot of research now to show that we really understand why NAD is declining. And one of the main issues that is causing NAD decline is actually that salvage pathway in our cells that actually takes those precursors and makes them into NAD that declines with age. This is now being known as a a big limitation of things like just using a precursor because you can put as much raw material into the factory as you want, but if your machines are broken, then you're not going to get cars or whatever out the other end. That's an issue. NR and NMN, I always describe them as like the first generation of NAD boosters. They do increase NAD, but there's a lot more going on. And usually when something's declining in the body, it's declining for a reason. And what you need to do is look at what that reason is and actually fix the root cause. The main reason is that salvage pathway. So it's known that there's an enzyme in that salvage pathway called NAMPT, which is the key problem. Interesting. Okay. So let's dive into that NAPT enzyme, which you just mentioned. Just before we get into that, in terms of, I know at one stage there was a fear that NMN supplements were going to be um, banned by the FDA. Did you want to explain um, what happened there? Yeah, they have been banned. (laughs) Wow. Um, They were banned. So the reason that they were banned was basically it it depends on the regulations in different countries. So in the US, um, the FDA, for something to be regulated as a supplement, um, you have to put an application forward to the FDA and say, here's all the data. It's safe. We're going to put it forward as a a supplement ingredient. They assess it and decide whether they're going to approve it as a supplement. That process was happening because actually a lot of people don't realize that NMN was never approved officially as a supplement. People were just making it and selling it, which is a little bit scary. But what happened was at the same time as this application for the supplement was going through, a drug development company that really interestingly is David Sinclair's, one of David Sinclair's companies, he's very famous for advocating NMN, uh, actually had put forward NMN as a drug they put forward an application to the FDA saying we're developing NMN as a drug to treat disease. And the definition of a supplement is it's not implicated in diseases. So something cannot be classified as a supplement and as a drug. So the FDA had to basically make a decision and we're like, okay, if this is being investigated as a drug, it can't also be a supplement. So it's banned wow. as, as, as use as a supplement. So that was wiped out. <clears throat> and now it's being obviously patented, structurally changed slightly and made into a, a drug. The initial... Is that for treating which form of disease? Is it just like cardiovascular health or? 
So I ultimately, knowing that what that company is all about, it'll be looking at aging. It's looking at slow and cellular aging. But in order for something to be a drug, it has to be fixed to a certain disease. That's because you have to have in your clinical trials, you have to have an endpoint. You have to show you've improved whatever disease you were trying to improve. Um, And because aging is not classified as a disease, you can't say, I'm going to do a clinical trial and look at how well people age. So there will be fixing it to a disease. Disease. I don't know what they're doing. I imagine it'll probably be something metabolic because we know NAD has a big implication in a lot of metabolic diseases. So they'll probably they'll probably tag it on as something like that. Interesting. So let's now explore the root cause. You mentioned that salvage pathway, that NAPT enzyme. NAMPT. There's a lot of acronyms to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Did you want to maybe because that's the first time I've heard of that? Did you want to maybe explain? how that's the root cause of NAD um, decline. Yeah. Yeah. So that salvage pathway that we discussed earlier, that recycling pathway has quite a few different enzymes in it actually, but NAMPT is the rate limiting enzyme in that pathway. So what that means is that the amount of NAD produced by that pathway is directly dependent on the amount of NAMPT enzyme. So what happens is as NAD is used up, it's broken down into nicotinamide and then it goes through this pathway and NAMPT helps to make it back into NAD again. So what is in in tissues as you get older, NAMPT levels decline. They also decline in not just with age, but also diseases associated with faster aging. They also, it also declines in things like metabolic disease, obesity, diabetes. You see a reduction in this enzyme as well. And what that means is that as NAD is being used up, it simply can't be recycled back into fresh NAD again, as well as your body could do when it was young and healthy. And that actually has knock-on effects because what happens is the nicotinamide actually then starts to build up in our cells and cells don't like it when things build up. They like homeostasis and they try to rectify the situation. What in cells that start to build up high levels of nicotinamide is they then start reacting and they start overexpressing another enzyme. And this other enzyme is called NNMT and that's a methylating enzyme. And the way that our bodies get rid of excess nicotinamide from the cell is they methylate it. So stick a methyl group on, that signals it for excretion and it gets excreted as methyl nicotinamide in our urine. So this is problematic because you are now using methyl groups that could be used in more important things like epigenetics and DNA repair, etc., to get rid of nicotinamide that it shouldn't even have to be used in that job. So what you start to then see is methyl donor depletion in these cells as well, which then obviously has huge impacts on lots of other areas of cellular health. So that's a a key reason why there is a limitation with precursors as well, because if you imagine you are taking NMN and NR in high doses, you're thinking, great, it's boosting my NAD, but once that NAD has been used once, if it can't be recycled, you're building up nicotinamide in your cells. And this is a very common problem that we see. If you look at the clinical studies on NR, the data is plain in the papers. You can see that as they increase the dose of NR, NAD production actually plateaus, but excretion of methyl nicotinamide just keeps going up, up because you, the cells wow. are not being able to deal with it. 
So this is why a lot of people who are taking supplements like NR or NMN, you'll often hear them say, oh, we have to take trimethylglycine to counteract the methylation problem, which to me is crazy. It's you're trying to like fix NAD, but by fixing NAD, by not addressing the root cause, you're actually making something else worse. Then you haven't to take another supplement to make that thing worse. It's almost like back to drug development where you're taking a drug to help with the side effects of another drug. It's yeah, it turns into polysupplementy, polysupplementy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I guess the other major thing is, so as well as this, just to point out that as well as this enzyme decline, the other major known root cause of NAD is actually inflammation. So chronic low-grade inflammation that we suffer as we get older, that causes the overexpression of a protein or an enzyme called CD38. And CD38 is a prolific NAD consumer. So just to put it in perspective, if you, for one cycle of the CD38 enzyme, it uses 100 molecules of NAD around. The sirtuins in the DNA repair enzymes only use about 6 to 10. So it's using way more. And this CD38 becomes overexpressed as we get older. So... The thing that we know about it is it's got a higher affinity for NAD than the sirtuins or the DNA repair enzymes. So in in simple terms, what that means is if you put NAD into the cell, CD38 will grab the NAD and use it to drive inflammation before the sirtuins or the DNA repair enzymes even get a look in. So again, this is another limitation of NR and NMN, because if you're not inhibiting CD38 and you're boosting NAD, then that NAD is not going to the sirtuins and not going to DNA repair. It's going to be going to CD38. If your cells are inflamed, if you're older, you've got to look at that. Because again, you're taking these supplements in good faith that they are boosting your NAD and doing good things. But the evidence and the science that's coming out now is showing that actually we need to address the root causes to actually fix the problem. Here's a quick little message to all men listening into today's show. Do you want to double your energy levels, boost motivation and increase your focus? If so, you may be interested in my epic men's energy program I've recently launched called Limitless. Now, Limitless is an exclusive 12-week program for men who want to go from feeling tired, unmotivated, or burnt out to highly energetic, driven, and focused. Within the program, I will analyze your own unique biology and lay out a fully personalized health protocol so that you can finally unlock peak physical and cognitive performance. Over the 12 weeks, you will have direct access to me to ensure your results, as well as the chance to join me live twice a week to ask me anything relating to health protocols and discover cutting-edge men's health info to keep you at the top of your game. Now, spots in this program are extremely limited. So if you're interested in finding out more, make sure you go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash limitless program to reserve the next available call to see if you're a good fit. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash limitless program. You'll also find this link in my bio on my Instagram profile and also my YouTube channel.
Now's a good time to talk about that CD38, probably the most famous inhibitor is apigenin, right? So yeah. do, you want, do you want to talk about maybe the benefits of apigenin there? Yeah. So apigenin, that is a, a natural compound. It's known to be a good CD38 inhibitor. In fact, some studies have shown that by inhibiting CD38 with something like apigenin, you can boost your NAD levels just as much as you can by taking wow. an NR or NMN. Wow. Wow. Because that's how much, that's how much CD38 is wasting NAD. So it's, it's, and again, doing it that way, you've actually fixed one of the, the root causes. So you're promoting your body to naturally go back to its natural physiology of how it was making and using NAD rather than having to take a precursor that's going to cause all these other problems. Yeah, apigenin's a good one for CD38. Awesome. And let's go back to that NAMPT rate-limiting enzyme that you mentioned before. What do we know in the natural sub natural compound space that can interact with that particular uh, enzyme so in in general anything that's going to drive ampk so wow. ampk is an energy sensor in our cells and i guess just to take a step back one thing that should be mentioned is aside from supplements one of the best ways to activate nampt is exercise and fasting so <laughs> both of those things have been demonstrated to boost NAMPT. And the science behind it is that when you are exercising or fasting, you are uh, put in the body and the cells under a state of bioenergetic stress. And the cells respond by going, oh my goodness, like we've got lack of energy. We've got no nutrients coming in. We need to like double down and make more energy and protect ourselves. So they do this by switching on lots of different genes. One of them is the gene to produce NAMPT. The idea is that NAMPT goes up, the salvage pathway starts working, more NAD is produced to keep up with the energy demand, and also there's more NAD available to switch on repair pathways so that the cell can conserve itself through the period of stress um, and make it out, out the other end of this stressful period. So that is the sort of biology behind it. Where AMPK comes into that is AMPK sits at the top of the pathway, is like the energy sensor, and that's the one that sends a signal and says, oh, energy stress, switch on NAMPT, get NAD boosted, we need to energize and conserve. So things that would actually promote AMPK activation, any natural molecules that do that. We know things like quercetin is known to, to help with those pathways. It's in, to help increase NAMPT. Alpha-lipoic acid is also a, a stimulant of that particular pathway. Mm. I'd like to dive deeper into some of the other botanical or herbal ingredients or natural compounds that you were screening as far as like how did you go about actually formulating the product Nuchito Time? Like, where did that start? And just talk me through the, the evolution of the product. Yeah, back to, I came across NAD, was like, wow, the data for this is incredible. The fact that there's so much positive data and you can boost it with a supplement was crazy. The, the amount of 
I always said NAD is almost like the molecule that sounds too good to be true because you look at the papers, it helps with Alzheimer's, neurodegeneration, it helps with cardiovascular problems, it helps with nerve problems, and it's, this is, it sounds like snake oil to the outside person. You're like, yep, NAD can help that. But when you think of the, the physiology behind it, NAD is in every cell and it's performing these critical functions. Therefore, you know that it's going to have such an impact when it drops, but also such an impact when you increase it. So I was sitting there, I could see people taking enamin, NR, I could see all the science coming out showing these are not fixing the root causes of NAD decline. So when we started to develop a product, we wanted a supplement, something that was classified as a supplement. Uh, we wanted it to actually address the root causes of NAD decline um, and then test it to, to show that it boosts NAD. So what we wanted to do was, first of all, have a precursor in there. So we didn't use NMN, we didn't use NR, we actually used nicotinamide because nicotinamide is freely available, it is not patented by anyone, and it is, it's the preferred precursor. It doesn't have any bioavailability issues. NR and NMN still need transporters to get in the cells, so not that they don't have as limited capacity like and NAD itself, but they still need a transporter to get in, which which is a limitation. Um, so we used nicotinamide. So it was like, we've got the precursor in there, but now how do we have extra ingredients in there to fix all of those root causes of NAD decline? So the first thing was, we have to fix NAMPT. We have to have ingredients in there that are going to boost NAMPT. So they, the ones we used are actually the ones I've just mentioned. We looked at quercetin and we looked at ALA. Now, when it comes to bioavailability, uh, we know quercetin doesn't have the best bioavailability. So we actually use it in a form called rutin. Now, rutin is the more natural form. It's got a quercetin glycoside in, which is like a little sugar that's attached to the quercetin. This is the form it's provided in nature. Um, and this actually survives the gut. It gets in through the gut. The sugar molecule gets cleaved off. And then the quercetin, which is the active, then can go into the cells and perform its function. ALA, we actually use a form called R-ALA. There's two forms. There's S and there's R. Um, S is like a synthetic form does absolutely nothing in the body. Despite the fact that a lot of supplements companies sell it, many supplement companies will use a mix of 50-50 S and R. So basically you're buying a product that has 50% of it that works and 50% that doesn't. We were very clear on being like, this has to have pure R-A-L-A in it because that is the form that the body actually uses. So that was the first stop. How do we switch back on that enzyme? We've done a clinical trial on our product because, again, my passion was to actually not only develop things that work, but prove they actually work, uh, which many supplements don't have. Um, and in our clinical trial, which was a double-blinded, placebo-controlled crossover study, so a gold standard as far as studies are concerned, we took 28 people. This was for 28 days on the supplement, and we found that after 28 days of taking it, their levels of NAMPT enzyme, which we we measured were significantly increased so mm. we were really pleased with that because it was the first time it's still it's the only supplement that's been proven in a human clinical trial to actually boost levels of that enzyme um, and show we're addressing the root cause of NAD decline was that the that's a I'm really impressed that you were able to facilitate that clinical trial because I'd imagine obviously it's not a cheap uh, thing to do 
In terms of the primary outcome, was it specifically just that or did you have any other secondary outcomes? No, we had a lot of different things. So the first, the primary outcome was, does it increase NAD? (laughs) Which it is. It increases NAD. And from day seven, we see a significant increase in NAD and that keeps rising over the month. We're now doing longer studies to see how that keeps going. So that was the primary outcome. Does it increase NAD? But then for us, all the other outcomes were, oh, is the mechanism of action actually fixing the root causes? Because for us, we were like, we don't care if we're boosting NAD if we're not fixing the root causes, if this is just a precursor effect. So yes, so the first thing was looking at levels of NAMPT to check that we were actually fixing that root cause of NAD decline. The next thing was we actually wanted to inhibit CD38. So obviously we used abigenin, but again, we did not use abigenin in its pure form because you can synthetically or make it or extract it, but that's not how it is in nature. And it's very unstable um, going through the gut. So we actually use parsley powder. So parsley, it's one of the things that's known to have very high natural levels of apigenin. So we actually use that in the product. So it, it's hilarious because I've come from a world of drug development and now I'm putting parsley <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a capsule. And But for me, I've got the benefit of, I've seen both worlds. I'm not sitting here. Yeah. I've seen the drug development world. And, you know, when it comes to a molecule, your body has no idea if it's a drug, a supplement, a nutrient. It doesn't care. It doesn't have a checklist when it's going through your gut going, oh, that's a supplement, like get rid of it. It doesn't do anything. Like they all molecules have a strong physiological effect in the body mm-hmm. if they're put in the right forms, the right doses, you know, targeted to the right pathways. Anyway, I digress. So CD38, we wanted to inhibit that. We used apigenin and what we measured was, are we actually reducing inflammation? So we did a cytokine panel and we found a significant reduction in inflammatory cytokines. So we are happy that we're not driving inflammation. Just out of curiosity, what was the average age across the sample? I think the average was just under 50, but... Very interestingly for our study, what we did is had a huge diversity of ages. We actually had ages 20 to 80, which is really unusual for a clinical study because this was another thing that annoyed me about drug development for any, and still for any testing on NR or NMN, it's like men aged 55 to 65. Like this included, (laughs) you actually included women. In this study? We actually put women in oh, it. Wow. I mean, who would do that? <laughs> yeah, so wow. it was men and women aged 20 to 80. So we had wow. a, basically like a couple of people out of each decade, which for us was a huge risk because we yeah. know that the people that are more likely to respond in a, in a beneficial way are older people. So we, we took a big risk because it could be that we don't see a strong effect because we're using a lot younger people. But, you know, for me, I'm like this... The whole mission is to get things out there that benefit people. And we're a consumer company and, you know, we wanted to to test it in our clinical trial in the market that it's designed for, you know. Mm. Um, So it's not fair just testing it on a very specific group of people when that's not who we're going to be using it. Um, Mm. So the fact that we still even saw the results in such a huge age range was pretty, pretty special for us. 
So when it came to like actually developing the formula and determining the right dosages for ingredients, I know you mentioned there's nicotinamide, you've mentioned there's parsley powder. Did you want to maybe discuss like how did you determine the right dosage? Yeah. So, so to begin with, what we do is we do in cell culture, so in vitro. So we will have um, different types of, of human cells growing up and we will do all sorts of combinations, all sorts of dosages, look at the ratios, look at, we need to have a high level of this one, a low level of that one and how they all interplay. Because the really interesting thing is when you take all the compounds in our product and test them individually, they don't really do a lot in terms of the protection that we see. But then when you put them all together as the combination, the effects go huge because it's just it's looking at the right ratios and things like that. So there was an awful lot. There was two years of development to put in to actually get in the right formulation. It then went into a human pilot study because the benefits of using supplement molecules is that you don't have to start doing animal testing or anything like that. That We know that all the molecules are safe for humans. So it went straight into a pilot human study where we did some quite intensive testing looking at different dosages so this was only in two human volunteers but we we had them hooked up to a cannula we were giving them all the the different formulations and measuring nad every two hours and some to get it to the point where we were happy right okay this is a version that's going to go into formulation then that goes into the formulation into the final product then that's what's tested in the clinical trial. Because what many people don't realize is even when supplements claim they have clinical trials on them, it's not on the finished product. It's on a ingredient in it, not on how that whole thing is working in the final product. With the with the parsley extract or the parsley powder, is that was it standardized to a certain percentage of apigenin? Yeah, yeah. We have that standardized before it goes into the blend. But the other natural ingredient that's also in it is green tea. So green tea extract, and the reason that's in there is for its EGCG content, which again is, this is one of the things that I've seen do marvelous things in drug development (laughs) that is so underestimated. But the reason it's in our formulation is it's an inhibitor of NNMT, that methylating enzyme. So everything in our product is designed to promote NAD production and recycling. So you've got the precursor, you've switched back on the NAMPT enzyme, You've inhibited the inflammation so the NAD is not getting wasted and you've also inhibited the methylation that's trying to, you know, get rid of nicotinamide out of the cell so you're promoting its recycling. So yeah, so there were, there were other things we tested. We tested, obviously we did all the safety stuff. We, we tested all the liver function enzymes, things like that, which people sometimes get concerned about with large doses of different botanicals. They were all clear compared to placebo. We also looked at glycation. Glycation is a huge part of aging where sugar becomes irreversibly bound with proteins and stiffens your collagen and things like that. And we saw a reduction in glycation. How long was the total duration of the study? So this one was 28 days. Like I say, we're now running a longer study. The the study we're doing at the the moment is three months. In the future, we'd like to do even longer things. But as you say, they're not the cheapest thing to do, especially when you don't legally have to do them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, The exciting one for me was, out of everything, we did biological age. Wow. Is Is that DNA methylation? We actually used a kit called Glycanage. So this was, yeah, yeah. looking at the sugar molecules on your IgG cells 
Um, it works in a similar way to methylation patterns. Basically, when you're young, your IgG cells will have a very specific pattern of this glycosylation. As you get older, it shifts to a different pattern. So you can look at the different patterns and basically estimate the biological age of that person. So we actually had all the participants, their biological age was measured before and after the placebo and then before and after when they took the real thing. Because it was a crossover design, every person, it wasn't like the 28 people were split into two groups of 14 and half of them took the placebo and half of them took the real thing. It was actually everyone took the placebo, then there was a washout, then everyone took the real thing or vice versa. Some all took the the real thing first, then a washout, then placebo, and that was randomized. So they, they didn't know what they were taking. But we saw in the the group that took the supplement, that took Time Plus, they got a reduction in, in, in glycan age and biological age of 1.26 years in 28 days. Just in what, in 28 days? Wow. Yeah. That's so impressive. We were so excited about that because it just shows it really is improving cellular health. Mm. So... That Nuchito Time Plus formula, in terms of some of the other parameters in that study, were there any other measurements in terms of like general energy recovery, like well-being, were they also considered? Yeah. So that one, we did a questionnaire um, where we were just looking at how people felt and their perception of what was happening. Like I say, they didn't know if they were on the placebo or the real thing. The top things that were scoring were energy levels. So feeling they had a lot more energy, a lot more perceived energy. And we also had a bit for like little comments and the sort of, it was funny because the way people described it was quite similar. There was, it's not like a caffeine type buzz. It's more like a, I've just got this, I just want to get on <laughs> kind of thing. And I want to do things. And I've got this drive, more of a drive type of energy. Um, and also the next thing was brain fog. So people saying that they didn't realize how bad their brain fog was until it wasn't there anymore, like a cognitive enhancement. And then the third thing was sleep, a huge improvement in sleep. And this is because we know actually that NAD is involved in regulating circadian rhythm. So NAD helps to basically regulate the circadian rhythm. So when your NAD levels go lower, it means that sort of input isn't as strong and your circadian rhythm can become out of sync. And this is why older people generally don't sleep as well or have as much quality sleep because their NAD levels are lower. So again, not surprising that we saw a big impact on sleep. Mm. It's awesome. In terms of the dosages that you recommend for like general customers, do you want to talk about like dosage regimes that, that, that appear to work? Yeah. So it's actually six capsules a day. And a lot of people go, oh, wow, that's a lot. But the reason it's that amount is not because we've packed it full of fillers or anything like that. It's all active ingredients. And that is the amount we know you need to actually mean that when it's gone through the gut and gone through metabolism, that there's still going to be enough active there to actually get into the cells and perform its function. So we know that is the dose required because we know that it actually boosts NAD and it does all of these other things that I've just discussed as part of the trial. Um, on the back of the tub, you'll see it recommended is, is uh, three capsules twice a day. Some people take all six capsules in, in one go. It depends how happy you are taking <laughs> capsules. But the one thing we do recommend is just take with food, taking that amount of 
activs on an empty stomach can not be great. We don't recommend taking it when you're fasting. It would break a fast. What we say is with your first meal, have it then. It actually helps to prolong some of the benefits of fasting because it does have them AMPK activators in. Therefore, usually when you would start eating, AMPK would get turned down, but by taking the Cheeto Time Plus, it keeps it high. And so you, you prolong the benefits of the fast as well. And doesn't caffeine also have a positive effect on NAD levels as well? Yeah, a bit of a tenuous link. <laughs> we do have a small amount, actually talked about caffeine. People always say, oh, you've got caffeine in there. And we do have a small amount of caffeine in there, but that's not caffeine that we've added. It's natural caffeine because of the green tea extract. And it's actually only one milligram per capsule, so six milligrams in total across the whole day. And just to put that into perspective, a coffee has like over 100 milligrams. So unless you're super sensitive to caffeine, it won't have any stimulant effect. Unless you are super sensitive, then you might want to not have it at bedtime. Most people are fine. We generally recommend just take with the first meal of the day and yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And so in terms of some of the other like customer feedback, and I'm sure you're allowed to share maybe some success stories, maybe there's one that really stood out to you. Was there any one particular case where it was just, it blew you away in terms of the, the effect it had? So, so a couple come to mind. So we're not allowed to talk about diseases because we're a supplement. But all I will say is that we have a lot of people that buy it actually for themselves, but then have felt such a benefit, they've decided we're going to buy it for our elderly parents. And elderly parents have lots of different problems that I'll not name, but we have a lot of feedback from customers going, oh my goodness, my mother who's 80 and who hasn't been able to string a conversation together or who remember who we are or whatever has had such an improvement that we just wanted to write and tell you, thank you for doing this. And for me, it's those ones that make the difference because this is why I started the company. Everyone, when I left my job in drug development, everyone looked at me as if I'd gone crazy. Like, why would you leave a successful career in drug development to start a supplement company? Like, everyone thought I'd gone bonkers. But, I, you know, I'd seen that it doesn't need to be a drug. When, when we get feedback back like that, I'm like, we've helped someone. We've helped people. And mm. um, so those are the ones that, you know, I really like. We get a lot of feedback from, from menopausal women is a huge one because what we see is right at the time when estrogen and other hormones are de de decreasing and causing a lot of problems with mitochondria and inflammation and things like that, their NAD is also declining. So they've got this perfect storm for total metabolic chaos um, and terrible brain fog. So if you can boost NAD and at least fix half the problem, we see a big improvement. And again, we just get a lot of women messaging and, and just saying, wow, I was skeptical, but I've tried it and actually it's changed my life. In fact, what one of them actually ended up becoming an investor in our company. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it just was like this product, I, how can I do anything? Because it's took me from, I think her exact words were a tired old bag. <laughs> yes, was her, old, her own words to a superwoman whose business is now thriving and Gee. it's all down to your product. So I want to help you guys. So yeah, that was a wow. good one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's impressive. In terms of the future of Nuchito, we touched on the potential development of future products coming out. Did you maybe want to explore 
what does the future hold for Nuchido? Yeah, so although we're focused on NAD at the minute because that is our first product, we're not just specialists in NAD. My background is a specialist in aging. So we are developing products that are designed to address the other hallmarks of aging because as fantastic as NAD is, um, aging is complicated. And I think to have any big impact, multiple different things need to be happening. Senescence, senescent cells is a huge area of research within the aging field. These are like zombie cells that build up in our tissues as we get older. They secrete a lot of inflammation and a lot of studies have shown that if you can get rid of these cells or indeed suppress their inflammation, you can get huge benefits across the whole body. So this has been a, a very key area of research for us over the last couple of years. And that is where we are focusing on at the moment. So watch this space. Amazing. And I think you mentioned before there was a, another longer clinical study you were interested in doing. Was it like a three-month long trial? Yes. So that is on the current product. So we are looking at the over a longer period. We're measuring some of the same parameters. But we're also looking a lot more about the more the tangible effects that people feel. So we didn't focus that we did a bit of a questionnaire in the first one, but that was very much biomarkers. This one has proper standardized clinical trial type questionnaires to assess sleep quality and in an unbiased way and all of that. Um, so we we'll want to get some real good data on that's publishable. And I'll, I'll just point out as well, so like I am a scientist and I, I do publish and this clinical trial is being written up for publication. Amazing. Yeah, once that study's finalized and published, I'll make sure to leave that linked on my website. And for those listening in, if you do want to actually purchase Nuchito Time Plus, the link will be found in the podcast show notes. There'll also be a discount code, I believe, that we can set up for you. If you do want to trial Nuchito Time as a formula to assist with your general energy and vitality. But otherwise, Dr. Nicola Conlon, did you have any other final question, uh, areas of, I guess, things you wanted to focus in on or final messages for my audience? No, I think it's just great to chat with you who completely <laughs> understands that natural molecules have such a power. Um, and I, I appreciate your journey as well, saying that you, your dad is a pharmacist and you've like just gone completely against that. I think more people should be aware of this. So thank you so much for the great work that you do as well and um, promoting that. Yeah. And I might also mention that the field of drug and supplement discovery is something that I'm extremely passionate about because I'm also on the hunt to bring forward my own ingredient to the to the supplement space, whether that be like an alkaloid or a or just something that can improve energy and focus and cognition. That's why I'm yeah really passionate about this as well. But otherwise, thanks everyone for tuning in. Nicola, thanks again for coming on the show. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you everyone for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.